You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. The NFL Draft is in full swing with the first round taking place last night, and the 49ers didn't mess it up. They picked Trey Lance, which I am very, very excited about. Did you know that Gonzaga's football team still hasn't lost a game since 1941? Pretty crazy when you think about it. This morning on the Locked On Today podcast, get analysis on all the best and worst picks from the first round of that NFL Draft. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Friday, April 30th, and it is indeed another Gonzaga five-star Friday. For those new to this show, every Friday, the goal is to get as many five-star ratings as we can and read Gonzaga stories from around the country. We had two awesome ones the last couple of weeks from Angela and Tom, and we have another one today coming up from Hunter. So go to our podcast page on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating, and then leave us a review with your Gonzaga story. Why do you love Gonzaga? What's your origin story of Gonzaga? Why do you root for them? Simply, what does Gonzaga mean to you? If you don't want to leave it in the reviews, you can also direct message me on Twitter at escargo, or you can email the show lockedonzags at gmail.com. Okay, without further ado, let's go ahead and get to today's Gonzaga story coming from Hunter. I'm a Gonzaga fan from Memphis, Tennessee. I grew up in a big basketball family, so I loved the game early on. Gonzaga played in the Pyramid, which was the old Memphis Tigers arena, back in 2001 for the NCAA tournament when I was seven years old, and I just fell in love with the program. I grew up with Adam Morrison as my basketball hero. I stayed up watching WCC games at 11 p.m. my time, and sometimes waited until midnight, as was the case with the great debut of Kevin Pangos. I always got the question of, what made you be a fan of Gonzaga being so far away from Spokane? Well, Gonzaga basketball, for as long as I can remember, is what I look forward to the most each year. I live 1,200 miles away from a place I've never been to, but I fell in love with this tiny school that has gradually grown into a powerhouse. And it's not just the basketball, it's the true family feel throughout the program. Guys like my favorite Zag ever in Josh Perkins making Zaga what it is. I'm just thankful that I went to that game back in 2001 and can say that I'm a proud Gonzaga fan all the way over here in the Southeast. Even when I was about to get married in 2020, right before the pandemic hit, my wife picked a date before March Madness because I could not miss watching the Zags. I haven't been able to go to the game at the kennel yet, but I hope to one day. Whenever they play over here in my area, I am there in a heartbeat. I love Gonzaga, and I can't wait for next season. Well, Hunter, you are definitely not alone there. The countdown to October and countdown to craziness in the kennel is most certainly on. Thanks again to Hunter for sharing his story. And that's two weeks in a row now. We've heard from people over a thousand miles away who fell in love with Gonzaga in the early 2000s and yet have never even been to the school, which is pretty, pretty awesome. 
Again, if you want to share your story, uh, they can be sentimental, they can be lighthearted, really they can be anything in between, whatever you want to say. Leave them in the reviews for the podcast. You can DM me on Twitter or you can email the show LockedOnZags at gmail.com and get your Gonzaga story in. Of course, I will read them every Friday on the show. Before we get to the rest of the episode today, one minor note that I wanted to mention that came out on Thursday, uh, speaking of Hunter's favorite Zag ever, Josh Perkins is going to be back competing in America. He will be part of the basketball tournament held this summer. For those that have never seen that before, the basketball tournament is a million dollar winner take all single elimination tournament where a lot of the teams in it are comprised of school alumni. And uh, Gonzaga actually had a team a few years back that played for, I think, two or three of those uh, those tournaments. They were called A Few Good Men. And that team has since been discontinued, but I know there's been talk about possibly uh, rejuvenating it here in the future. So we'll see if that actually happens. But Josh Perkins is going to play for the Jimmy V team, which is the same team he was supposed to play for in this past summer's tournament, but they got disqualified right before their opening game because of positive COVID results. So this is going to be the first time Perkins actually suits up for the event, assuming they don't test positive again. So it'll be cool to see Josh Perkins compete uh, for a chance at winning a million dollars. Okay, today on the show, we're talking about Gonzaga baseball. Unfortunately, today was supposed to be a mega preview Uh, for their huge showdown with San Diego this weekend in their three-game series. But we got word on Thursday afternoon that Gonzaga has COVID issues within their program, and that series has been canceled, as has the next few games after that. So we'll give you all the details on that COVID pause, and we're going to tell you kind of how it affects Gonzaga, how it affects San Diego, and how it's going to affect both of their NCAA tournament resumes. And then at the end of the show, we're going to go ahead and finish up our player reviews for the season. We're going to talk today about Ben Gregg. And then I'm going to sneak in a few words at the end talking about the walk-ons within the men's and women's program. But first, the Kentucky Derby is coming up. And if you want a place to bet on it, betonline.ag is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of that action at BetOnline as well. This week has tons of sports action as the NFL Draft continues today and tomorrow, and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to bed online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, we're going to talk about some Gonzaga baseball here. And I was really, really looking forward to their three-game series against San Diego this weekend. I was going to be at three of their next four home games But they have all been canceled because of COVID. And Gonzaga released a statement yesterday saying there are three-game series against San Diego this weekend, along with Monday's game against a top-10 team in Oregon, has been canceled as well. And then they're following three-game series next weekend at home against Seattle University, 
also canceled. So that's seven home games all canceled because of COVID issues within the Gonzaga program. And that's unfortunate for a lot of reasons. One of them is because Gonzaga has been almost unbeatable at home this year. They're 12-2, and and they were about to play uh, their biggest WCC series of the year, their biggest home game of the year uh, against their biggest, you know, non-conference opponent in Oregon, and then three games which, you know, they probably should win against Seattle. So as it stands now, their next scheduled game is May 11th and May 12th at Oregon, and then they're going to follow that with a series against Portland on the road and San Francisco at home to finish the regular season. So theoretically, if all those take place, they only have eight games left in the regular season, but they just had seven games canceled uh, due to COVID. I know we're not going to be able to do a full preview of that San Diego game, which is unfortunate, but just some some stuff that would have been happening is Gonzaga is 14-4 in the WCC, San Diego is 11-4, and the winner would have taken sole possession of first place. And I mentioned this earlier in the week, but this series would have been a battle of strength versus strength. San Diego's offense is the best in the WCC, um, and it's really not even close. Gonzaga is up there with them, but those two teams are, are head and shoulders above everybody offensively, and Gonzaga's top two starting pitchers have just been unhittable this season. So it would have been really interesting to see how San Diego would have attacked uh, Gabriel Hughes and Alec Jacob. Jacob has a whip in WCC play of 0.70, and opponents are hitting just 145 against him. And then Gabriel Hughes, opponents are hitting just 203 against him. And Hughes has a 1.86 ERA, and he's 4-1 and one, uh, in his sixth start. So it would have been a just fantastic, fantastic matchup. And unfortunately, with the way that the schedule works out the rest of the year, it doesn't look like that series is going to be made up at all, which is unfortunate for both teams. And I'll get to that in just a second. Saturday's game was supposed to be on ESPNU, and that would have just been an awesome showcase for uh, the WCC as a whole, but it, th- these are two of the best teams along the West Coast. Uh, I'll talk about bracketology here in a minute as well, but uh, both of these teams have aspirations of getting in, in the, into the NCAA tournament. And in Gonzaga's case, they have legitimate hopes of advancing, not just to Super Regional, but they've been talking about trying to get to Omaha, which they haven't gotten to a Super Regional uh, in school history since they've expanded the tournament in the 80s and 90s, much less gotten to Omaha. So um, it's it sucks for both of these teams, and I'll tell you why. Let's start with San Diego first. Uh, San Diego, according to D1 Baseball's latest bracketology, San Diego is one of the last five schools into the NCAA tournament. There's another bracketology that's out there that has San Diego uh, pretty solidly in the field. But if they were to have played Gonzaga and taken, you know, two out of three in this series, I mean, those are two huge wins that would have put San Diego firmly into uh, that NCAA tournament. So San Diego, currently, according to D1 Baseball, is a three seed in the four-team regional in Stanford. Gonzaga, on the other hand, it's, it doesn't just stink because they aren't going to play San Diego, but they're not going to play Oregon either. Oregon is ranked number eight in the RPI. San Diego is 53 in the RPI. There are three games against Seattle, who's a top 150 team in the RPI. If they were to play all seven of those games and go, let's say, five and two, which is, you know, with the way they've been playing, I mean, that's absolutely a realistic possibility. Say they were to go five and two, I mean, they would have a chance if they finish the season really well, 
to host, straight up host, one of these 16 regionals. As it is, without those seven games, and specifically the three against San Diego and one of them against Oregon, I would imagine their chance to host a regional is probably out the window, and they're likely going to be stuck as a two-seed in one of those four-team regions. And it looks like the the three West Coast schools that are probably going to host are going to be Arizona, so in Tucson, and then Oregon, which plays in Eugene, and then Stanford and Palo Alto. So in all likelihood, Gonzaga is going to be a two-seed in one of those three regions with Arizona, Oregon, or Stanford as their one seed. The fact that they play Oregon uh, twice uh, coming up later this month, assuming that their COVID pause is not extended any longer, I don't know if they would want, the committee would want to put them uh, back into the same region as a team they've already played multiple times so they may throw them to tucson and play arizona um but uh we'll see what happens there it just it kind of sucks for any team to ever go on pause right i mean we saw that with the gonzaga basketball team we've seen it with teams in all sports across the country the last several months but it hurts even more when your team is playing as well as really anybody in the country right now and they're approaching their biggest four games of the whole year. So um, it's really, really unfortunate. It's kind of heartbreaking for the kids because they've been playing um, their tails off. But hopefully they're able to pick back up where they left off when they return in two weeks. And hopefully, on a personal level, I find enough to talk about on this podcast during those two weeks because there's going to be no baseball and basketball is in the offseason. So if you guys have any ideas for long-running topics that can be extended out over weeks, kind of like our player reviews have been, or if you have any questions that you want discussed or you want me to answer anything, please let me know. Feel free to tweet at me, at SCargo. Speaking of those player reviews, our look back at the 2020-2021 basketball season is finally coming to an end today. We saved the high school kid for last, Ben Gregg, who really probably had the, the biggest wild ride of anybody on the roster uh, the last six months. He went from high school senior to being at a national championship game, and that is absolutely insane. So Ben Gregg is the subject of today's final player review, and then I'll also give a few words on the walk-ons uh, to end today's show. But of course, no show is complete without me telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. It's even perfect for keto diets. There are over 20 amazing flavors, including peanut butter, caramel brownie, banana bread, cookies and cream, and many more. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy, too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The cookies and cream bar, for example, which is my favorite, has 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. We're finishing the show today talking about Ben Gregg. And truly, it is remarkable thinking about him and thinking, hey, this kid was supposed to be a high school senior playing high school basketball, probably right now. I think Oregon is just about to start their season. And instead, 
he already has experience uh, going with a team to the Final Four. It's just absolutely remarkable to think about it. The 6'10 freshman, he's from Clackamas, Oregon. His junior season at Clackamas High School, he was named the Oregon Gatorade Player of the Year after averaging 21 points and 9 rebounds. And he comes to Gonzaga in December as after he gets eligible early. And I didn't really think that there was any chance that he would play meaningful minutes really at all this season. I thought he'd play maybe in some mop-up minutes and that was it. And for the most part, I mean, that's kind of what he did, but he overtook Omar Ballo in the rotation. Like when they needed an emergency big man, they trusted Ben Gregg the most by the end of the season. He shows up in December and by the end of the year, he played in 18 games. He was seven for 17 from the field and grabbed 18 rebounds in those 18 games. And he showed some pick and pop ability and he showed that he is going to be a rotation player maybe as early as this season, if not major minutes next year. And the interesting thing about Ben Gregg is that Gonzaga really didn't offer him a scholarship the first time around, right? They were, you know, trying to get Nathan Biddle, they were trying to get Paulo Bancaro. And then once all of those kind of fell through, they went back to Ben Gregg and said, hey, let's do this. And Ben Gregg, to, you know, to his credit, was already announcing, you know, a final six or a final eight group of schools. And then even when Gonzaga came back to him, Greg could have said, hey, look, you know, you could have offered me earlier and the fact that you didn't, uh, you know, I'm going to go elsewhere. But instead, he automatically accepted Gonzaga's offer pretty much on the spot. And now he's a Gonzaga Bulldog. And it's very exciting to have a 6'10 stretch big man. No, no matter what program you're in, it's always good to have a 6'10 stretch big man in today's basketball. So it'll be really interesting and really exciting to watch him, especially, I talked about this yesterday, but him and Caden Perry together are going to be a force to be reckoned with here in the next two to three seasons. The thing Ben Gregg needs to improve upon most is on the defensive side. Uh, he, he has a propensity to foul in the games that he was in. He's not the quickest laterally yet. Um, I don't, I'm not sure he's the best in ball screen defenses yet. But again, he was essentially a high school senior playing on the number one team, an undefeated team in the country. Um, so the, just getting that valuable experience and you know learning the system uh, for an extra six months kind of gives him a head start on the other freshmen that are coming in uh, over the summer. If I had to guess, I would say Greg probably is a fringe rotation player next year. It really depends on what Gonzaga does in the transfer portal. If they get another big man that they trust more to back up Drew Timmy, then they can do that. Uh, but I think the most valuable thing that Greg provides that Gonzaga needs is some three-point shooting because they're going to lose a ton of it um, next season. So if Greg can provide a little bit of that and um, you know their guards and wings aren't providing as much as the coaching staff thought, maybe Greg finds more minutes than expected. But right now, I think he's a fringe rotation player, kind of one of those guys that will get you know, six to eight minutes in the non-conference. And then once the rotation tightens up as conference play goes and into the postseason, he kind of gets left out and doesn't play unless there's foul trouble. But either way, his future is very, very bright in a Gonzaga Bulldog uniform. And I can't wait to see what he does. I would be remiss, of course, if I didn't shout out the walk-ons. The walk-ons every single year are a valuable part of the team, whether it's running scout offense or scout defense or simply just being 
hype men and hype women. Um, the biggest ones this year for the Gonzaga men's team were Will Graves and Matty Lang. Matthew Lang uh, was one for one from the field this season. He had his one three that he shot. Some people like to call him Matthew Taco Lang because he is typically the one that comes in and hits that tent three that can get the fans tacos. Unfortunately, of course, there was no fans in the stands this year. But luckily, Graves and Lang are both juniors and should be back for a senior season next year. So both Graves and Lang have chances, hopefully, to get a full McCarthy Athletic Center tacos by hitting that tent three. And then on the women's side, Jillian Barfield is a really, really cool story. She is what Lisa Fortier describes as a connector. And there's a really cool story that Connor Gilbert wrote, and it's up on Gonzaga's website. I'll link it to you if you want to read it. It'll be in the podcast description. Uh, but when when Barfield came into the Gonzaga program four years ago, this was her senior year this past season. But when she came in four years ago, she kind of felt like there was a little bit of distance between the upperclassmen and the underclassmen. And so she didn't want that to be the case. Uh, her final three years. So she kind of took it upon herself to be the person to, you know, quote unquote, bridge the gap between the older players and the younger players. And so last year, uh, both Kaylee and Kaylin Trong talked about how a junior, Jillian Barfield, helped out those two freshmen uh, in the Trong twins. And uh, it's just something that Lisa Fortier has just admired greatly. You know, she doesn't play really at all. Um, but it doesn't really matter because she makes a huge impact off the court in terms of team chemistry and team building and bonding. And of course, she's the number one fan of every single player on that roster. So a really, really cool story on Jillian Barfield. They will certainly miss her a ton next season after she graduates. And again, if you want to read that story that Connor Gilbert wrote, it is in the podcast description. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. Like I said earlier in the podcast, If you've got any ideas on long-running bits that we can do throughout the month of May, feel free to let me know. I will rank anything you want. I will answer anything you want. Last season during the pandemic, I wrote an article ranking all of Mark Few's 20, I think at the time, 21 recruiting classes. So I may go back and revisit that and maybe talk about those. Uh, on each episode, something like that. If you want me to do something like that, please let me know. You can feel free to tweet me. With no baseball to recap on Monday's episode, I think the plan is going to be to go over everything going on in the transfer portal right now in terms of all the WCC teams. I'll try to give you you know, a basic understanding on who's going in, who's going out, and where all the teams are kind of looking at right now, and then give a way too early power rankings of the West Coast Conference on the men's side. And of course, if some big news happens over the weekend, Gonzaga, of course, is always looking at the transfer portal. They're looking at recruits. Of course, we're going to talk about that on Monday as well if that big news breaks. Don't forget, you can rate and subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a review with your Gonzaga story. I'll read them every Friday on the show, just like I did today. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story or you have any questions you want me to answer or any ideas you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your weekend. We will see you back here Monday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.